You're listening to the audiobook of Robots Will Steal Your Job, But That's Okay, written by Federico Pistono, read by Ian R. Buck. Find the show notes for this chapter at thenexus.tv slash rsj6. Chapter 6. Artificial Intelligence. I have a confession to make. When I chose the title of this book, Robots Will Steal Your Job, I was not completely honest with you. Robots will eventually steal your job, but before that, something else is going to jump in. In fact, it already has, in a much more pervasive way than any physical machine could ever do. I am, of course, talking about computer programs in general. Automated planning and scheduling, machine learning, natural language processing, machine perception, computer vision, speech recognition, effective computing, computational creativity, these are all fields of artificial intelligence that do not have to contend with the cumbersome issues that robotics has to face. It is much easier to enhance an algorithm than it is to build a better robot. A more accurate title for this book would have been, Machine Intelligence and Computer Algorithms Are Already Stealing Your Job, and They Will Do So Evermore in the Future. But that's not exactly a catchy title. The public perceives intelligent machines to be human-like robots that perform our daily duties. Thank you, Hollywood. In reality, most intelligent agents do not require a physical body, and they operate mostly at the level of computation. Data crunching and aggregation is what they do best. Ironically, it is harder to automate a housemaid than it is to replace a radiologist. Reference 1. A radiologist is a medical doctor who specializes in analyzing images generated by various medical scanning technologies. It is a popular area of focus for newly minted doctors, as it offers relatively high pay and regular work hours. There is no need to work on weekends, and there are no emergencies. The downside is that it is a very repetitive job. Even though it takes at least 13 years of study and training beyond high school, it is quite easy to automate this job. Reference 2. Think about it. The focus of the job is to analyze and evaluate visual images, the parameters of which are well-defined since they are often coming directly from computerized scanning devices. It is a closed system with a number of well-known variables that have mostly already been defined. And the process is very repetitive. What this equates to is a database of information, 13 years of studies and training, connected to a visual recognition system, the radiologist's brain. A process that already exists today and finds many applications. Visual pattern recognition software is already highly sophisticated. One such example is Google Images. You can upload an image to the search engine, then Google uses computer vision simulation techniques to match your image to other images in the Google Images Index and additional image collections. From those matches, they try to generate an accurate, best-guess text description of your image, as well as find other images that have the same content as your uploaded image. Figure 1.1, front page of Google Images. You can see the camera icon on the right of the bar. Click that, and you can upload your image. Figure 1.2, I upload my image, named guesswhatthisis.jpg. Figure 1.3, the software correctly recognizes it as the robot Asimo by Honda and offers similar images in return. Notice that the proposed images show Asimo in different positions and angles, 
not the same image in different sizes. This algorithm recognizes millions of different patterns, as it is a general-purpose application. A task-specific pattern recognition software is less complex to develop, although it must be much more accurate as the stakes are higher. Similarly, many governments have access to software that can help identify terrorists in airports based on visual analysis of security photographs. Reference 3. CCTV cameras in London and many other cities have advanced systems that track people's faces and can help the police identify potential criminals. Reference 4. Radiology is already subject to offshoring to India and other places where the average pay for the same task is 10 times as low. Reference 5. How long do you think will pass before we offshore to workers that need no pay at all, and all they need is a few electrons to run? In contrast, the duties of a housemaid, a job that requires no education and no particular skills, is a highly complicated set of tasks for a robot. This robot would need sophisticated motor skills and coordination in a 3D environment. It has to recognize thousands of different objects, move freely about the house, do the stairs, apply pressures with extreme care, and make millions of decisions per second, all while consuming very little energy and being cheaper than a $15 per hour housemaid. The most sophisticated robot that could do that is Honda's Asimo, which costs millions and can't perform as well as a regular housemaid. Cheap, reliable, human-like robots will eventually be available. But for now, it's AI time, baby. Section 1.1. Smarter, better, faster, stronger. You might think that computers are stupid because they cannot make sense of things like we do. This is true. You can take a toddler, show them a picture, and they will tell you right away if it is a picture of a person, a book, or a cat. Computers do not work like that. It is very hard for computer programs to recognize patterns the same way humans do. We can look at pictures, see them in full view, and recognize known patterns easily. We are good at this. We have evolved with this unique ability because it gave us an advantage over other species for survival. Computer programs, on the other hand, did not evolve the way our brains did. Thus, they work in very different ways. They can do complex mathematical calculations, and solve millions of differential equations in one second, whereas many of us struggle to do even the most basic math. Image interpretation, effortless and instantaneous for people, remains a significant challenge for artificial intelligence. Reference 6. Computers crunch data, while we make sense of it all. This has been true for quite some time, but is it still the case today? Recent developments in the field of artificial intelligence, specifically machine learning applications, have begun to change this. Over the last 20 years, we have devised and perfected various mathematical algorithms that can learn from experience, just as we do. The principle behind them is quite simple. Train a computer program to learn without explicitly programming it. How does that work? There are various methods to achieve this. Supervised and unsupervised learning, reinforcement learning, transduction, with several variations and combinations of them. Each of these methods then apply specific algorithms, some of which you may be aware of, for example, neural networks, and most of which probably sound very obscure, for example, support vector machines, linear regression, naive Bayes. You do not need to learn the specifics, but the main idea is this. Just like we learn through experience, so do these programs. They have evolved. 
we might not be so different from them after all. Section 1.2. It's all about the algorithms. Learning algorithms are improving in terms of accuracy and performance every day. Just five or six years ago, they were very sloppy, and their results were invalid. Today, however, things are changing rapidly. Google search results were the same for everyone, no matter where you came from. Today, it is likely that no Google search ever gives the exact same results. Instead, what you get is a personalized version containing the pages that are most likely to interest you, based on a variety of criteria. Say you search for a pizzeria. They can look at your IP address, they can geolocate you using GPS technology, and return the top results in your area. If you have a registered Google account, they can look at the history of all your previous searches, where you clicked, when you clicked, how many times, which domain did you visit the most, or the least. They know if you are male or female, young or old, and based on that, they can narrow down the search to an even more personalized level. If you have a Gmail account, they will know many things about your habits, places you visit, places you wish to visit, and people you usually talk to. They can cross-reference their searches and use that data as well. Of course, when I say they, I do not mean any particular person. There is nobody personally looking at your profile, your data, your search history, or your habits. That would violate privacy laws. I mean the programs. All that I have described happens billions of times a day, in a matter of milliseconds or less, for each occurrence. Beside the fact that having a person check on you like that would violate privacy laws, it would also be practically impossible to do these operations with human supervision. Every day, these programs learn something new about us. Another major difference is that computers can learn faster, and they have virtually no limitation on how much they can learn due to the exponential increase in computational power and in memory storage, respectively. Think about it. It takes a few years to teach a child to learn a language, read, write, recognize things, and even more time to learn a sophisticated technical skill. To become a qualified medical doctor, it can take 20-plus years of studying and experience before becoming proficient. If one day that doctor dies, simply stops working, goes on permanent vacation, or retires, it will take another 20 years for the next person to take their place. Granted, the entire profession might advance, but the learning curve to get up to speed with current standards does not change much. Computers do not have such limitations. It might require a lot of time at the beginning, but once any progress is made, it is propagated throughout the whole network. The next computer does not need to relearn everything from scratch. It can simply connect to the existing network and benefit from the collective knowledge gained by the contributions of other computers. Surely, the algorithm used is important. If you have a bad algorithm, you will end up with nothing interesting. But what has really made the most difference in the last 10 years is the sheer volume of data at our disposal. We are literally buried by data of all kinds, so much that we do not have enough minds to analyze that data and make sense of it all. Over the last few years, there has been a wave of public data coming from all sources, governments, NGOs, public libraries, as well as private websites that collect real-time data from people. We contribute in making this immense database of collective knowledge simply by living our lives. Every tweet we transmit, search we generate, picture we upload, friend we add on a social network, place we visit, phone call we make, 
They all feed this massive distributed supercomputer that is composed of the billions of computers around the globe that are connected to each other through the internet. That being said, you might be wondering how far we have come with AI systems. Have they reached human-level intelligence? If not, will they ever? What technology exists already? For now, you can rest safe. AI systems have not come anywhere near human levels of general-purpose intelligence. However, they are evolving rapidly, and some expect them to reach and even surpass humans by 2030. Others disagree, and only time will tell for sure who is right. What we know for certain is that today we already have machines that surpass humans in many task-specific intelligences. This leads us next into exploring the evidence of automation. You have been listening to the audiobook of Robots Will Steal Your Job, But That's Okay, written by Federico Pistono, read by Ian R. Buck. This audiobook is a production of The Nexus TV, a network of technology-focused podcasts. Find our other shows at thenexus.tv. This audiobook is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License, so feel free to use any part of it as long as you link back to the original page. You do not use this for any commercial purposes, and you release your version under the same license. Until next time, have a good one. The Nexus, the Nexus, the Nexus TV podcasts from, from the, the technological, technological convergence. convergence. We're presented with so many choices in our lives. How do we make sure we're making sound decisions? By getting a second opinion from an informed source, of course. Lucky for you, the hosts from across the Nexus use lots of hardware, software, and media and analyze them on our show, Second Opinion. From reviewing the latest phones and laptops to pitting apps against each other, we've got you covered. Find us on our website, thenexus.tv, or by searching for Second Opinion Reviews in your favorite podcast player.